Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective Podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and this week I talked to Noor Pinna, who is a licensed mental health counselor and transformative mindset coach. We talk about mental health topics such as shame, guilt, vulnerability, and validation. Now, I get it. The second you heard all of those words, you're like, oh no, not this episode. Here's the thing. Talking about it brings us all together is a unifier and it actually destigmatizes these larger topics that we all feel in the comfort of our own homes. So in this episode, we unpack definitions, impact the way that these huge topics can affect our bodies, minds, and spirit, nor lays out beautiful questions to ask ourselves, reminders for addressing the ways in which we can navigate these loaded areas in our lives, and tools for recognizing our emotions, acknowledging what we need, and surrounding ourselves with support systems to uplift us. While this episode is perhaps a heavier one, it is a necessary one, specifically for us as artists, but more specifically as humans. Enjoy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here with Nor Pinna, who we had on a panel, I don't even know when at this point, but I am, this is going to be a good conversation. We haven't even had it yet. And I'm really, really pumped about it because I know it's going to be really important. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> um, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. For anybody who's listening, who are you today? Oh, <laughs> well, always multiple hats, right? Depending on the day that you're at. Yes. Um, but in general, I am a licensed mental health counselor in New York and in California. And I am a shame resilient coach as well. And I'm a TED speaker. I have a book in the process that's coming out slowly, but surely it's being put together. It's a collection of poetry and I'm a nature lover. I primarily work with women um, along with Muslim men, which has been an interesting population that I've been dealing with. Mm. I also work in the realm of trauma, I uh, stress, anxiety, life transitions, relationships, kind of the gamut of things along with mental health issues. And I provide spiritual, holistic, uh, wraparound, trauma-informed approach. I really believe in somatic uh, body work and spirituality and nature combined and really letting my client or my coaching client really guide the way. Most people know the answers really within my job is to sort of just help them uncover those onion layers mm -hmm. and kind of help put the pieces together for them. And I love it when people... <laughs> find their little aha moments. And it's just like when they come back, they're like, oh my God, I did this thing. Or they're really proud of themselves. And I'm just like, say that again, say that again. Can yeah. you believe you're actually saying this? And they're like, oh my God, yes. I've noticed the shift in the language. And like, that's the coolest thing I get to see. Oh, so cool. How did you get into this work generally? Because it's very, I mean, I'd say obviously nowadays, therapy has luckily been a little bit more um, talked about and mm -hmm. recognized as something 
worth pursuing. I know that like as, yeah. with, as a social worker, as a mother, I've been in therapy for a long time, but I feel like now <laughs> the world yeah. is like, oh, right, this is helpful. But for you, how did you get into this specific niche, I guess, of therapy? Or Sure. Well, in my culture, I, I was born in Pakistan. I came here, you're either an engineer or a doctor or an, an IT person, right? I was going to be a heart surgeon from age five on. Well, you are, you are in many <laughs> ways. Yes, so yes love this. I am, yeah. And I got into um, Fordham and my organic chem teacher at 17 just told me I was really dumb in front of class and I was never going to get into med school. And I had a really fragile uh, self-esteem and self-confidence and I believed her. Oh, and okay. I went to my biology teacher and I was like, I really want to help people. I just don't know what to do. And she was like, why don't you try your hand at psychology? And I laughed at her and I was like, you know, I'm a hysterical person, right? I'd be crying <laughs> with someone. And she's like, why don't you give it a try? And I did. And I met this wonderful teacher um, or slash professor. And she was 32. She had her own private practice and she was teaching and like the sun was coming in, you know, and oh, wow, that's what I want to do. And so then I got into it. I lots of process and lots of lessons learned on how to get into the field that I needed to get into. And it fits like a glove, you know, and I really got into the shame world when I recognized my own shame, especially being a minority, like female, Muslim, uh, immigrant, you know, like all these roads that were intersecting and then my family dynamic and how I was brought up. And mm -hmm. I just said, you know, I wish someone was there when I was younger to help me understand what shame was and how to unravel that and really become my own person. Mm -hmm. I went to therapy and a lot of the, my first therapist, he just said, well, you're 18. You live in America. You can do whatever you want. And I just looked at him and I was like, you don't understand right. a thing about my culture or me at all. And I left and I was just like, yep, this, this is not going to work. So I try to become the thing that I knew that I needed and pass those lessons off eventually. What a what a wild situation of having a professor be that bold that it really changed the course of your life. And then mm -hmm. another professor being that bold that it made you find the thing. Mm -hmm. I just feel like Thankfully, you found that second professor because that yeah. first one, I was going to pause this conversation and be like, let's unpack that. Yeah. That is like not, yeah. not cool. Yeah. But also, I guess it obviously all worked itself out mm -hmm. in many respects. But like, yeah. I would imagine young version of you just sitting in that room and feeling all of the things of like your entire life somehow being derailed, but also having somebody's impression of you mean so much that it it brings you to a whole place of recalibration of your entire life? Oh my gosh, yes. And then when I chose to tell my family, yeah. you know, they were like, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> what are you doing? There's so much stigma in our culture, you know? I mean, I'm so glad that the younger generation now is like, wait, you know, you need therapy. Let's get into yeah. therapy. It's much more talked about, but they're still very much like, you shouldn't go around telling people 
what your family environment is like. You should mm-hmm. put it under the rug and just deal with it, you know? And so oftentimes I have to talk about confidentiality. And I said, just because we're Muslims and we may be in the same mosque or we know the same people doesn't mean that I'm going to be going around and talking about your experience with other people and really build that rapport and that trust. Yeah. I mean, you need to do that in general. Correct. I really need to cater that for them. Yeah. For anybody listening, you're probably like, oh, I'm going to click pause on this for a while and I'll maybe come back. Because yeah, yeah, it's a heavy, it's a heavy topic. But yeah, I want to unpack this a bit with you. And the reason you're here is because I feel as an artist, what has been taught to me as the thing and therefore unpacking later on in my life, I wish I too were having conversations around, say, these larger emotional, whether it's a barrier, weight, whatever, when I was younger and shame specifically for me as a woman, but also as an artist Mm -hmm. in a society that probably doesn't value the arts in a way that they perhaps claim to or realize that they're using the arts. Um, I, I really think it's an important conversation to have and to really begin to acknowledge the impact that it has on all of us from all these different angles, depending on who we are and the way in which we were brought up, et cetera, et cetera. So I would love to, before we even start, just get on the same page about our definition. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that we know that we're talking about the same thing and that we can kind of go from there. So for you, what is shame when we're talking about that? Like you said, there's such a variety of answers. For me, it's really about our beliefs and our expectations, the things that we say in our mind when we're by ourselves that hold us back and cage us from being able to do what we need to do to achieve the goals that we want. It becomes this sort of prison. It's this like secret that we hold on to really, really tightly. Yeah. Do you feel like it is something that we know or something that actually can be subconscious or both? I think both. Sometimes we become aware of our thoughts and we're like, you know what? That doesn't sound right. Um, And maybe we start to tip the balance and sometimes you recognize it's not so great, but we don't know what to do with it and how Mm -hmm. to break free from it. So... I recognize that what I'm going to ask is not going to be a one size fits all. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But for the sake of this conversation, what are some of the ways in which you have found successful through this kind of work to begin to either acknowledge, dismantle, um, realign when people are starting to be like, oh, wait, this is something that I know now exists within myself? Sure. Um, first step is always critical awareness, admitting that there is something going on, right? And once we recognize that our negative thoughts are something, it's then asking ourselves, like, where are these stories coming from? Like, the cognitive stuff, right? So like, what message were you told as a child, as a teen, as an adult, as a in your present moment, where are you receiving these messages? Who are who is benefiting from these messages, right, that we're internalizing? And how are we 
acting on these behaviors in terms of how are we interacting with others? How are we interacting with ourselves? How are we dealing with our worthiness? Are we hustling for it? Are we going above and beyond? Are we engaging in people-pleasing behaviors? Are we not able to say no? Um, you know, again, looking at our boundaries and our values, like, are you able to live the values that align with you? Mm-hmm. So, there's there's like a whole dome of like of things that we need to look at, right? So if someone was to be like, oh, what is shame? One of the biggest difference between shame and guilt is shame says I am. So if you're starting sentences with I am and labeling yourself, know that it is shame that is talking. If you say I feel bad, that's guilt. Guilt is a great motivator because it asks you to change because you're feeling remorse, right? Mm -hmm. Where shame just says, I am bad and I'm going to be stuck in this particular thought for a really long time. Is the goal to move from shame to guilt or to just have neither? (laughs) Well, I think guilt can be healthy because again, it's a motivator, right? If we can recognize we did something wrong, then we can change it, right? Mm -hmm. You always want to move away from shame. So in order to move away from shame, it's one, recognizing how am I speaking to myself? Am I speaking really negatively? Um, Am I speaking self-compassionately? Because oftentimes shame is like this, like, lingo that says, I'm really terrible at this. And if I talk about what's making me feel bad, I'm going to be an inconvenience. I'm going to be a burden on someone. No one's going to respect my work. Um, I'm not, you know, proficient or an expert or worthy enough, whatever it is in the eyes of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Again, these expectations we create. And when we don't read the, um, reach these expectations, then we become like really bitter and angry towards ourselves or towards other people. Right. And it's a list of expectations that we create, like a should statement. I should be X, Y, and Z, right? If I lost this much weight, then I will be happy, right? If I was able to get my degree and if I had the right internship and I met the right person, then my creative process could be this. Mm-hmm. But because I'm just starting in the beginning, no one knows anything. I have to really hustle to show my worth that I deserve to be in this project. Right. 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 And that's not really the way it needs to be. Right. You mentioned in the way beginning of this really wonderful questions that might be helpful for us to think about as we begin to unpack this in ourselves. And the one thing that really struck me was um, who is benefiting Mm -hmm. from this. Yeah. And I want to come to that because as you were just talking about too, it's this idea of seeking validation externally rather than this internal acknowledgement of worth, right? And how we have this relationship to others to make us feel a certain way when really we (laughs) are the ones who get to decide that. And I'm curious about what you've seen or encountered with people and their external validation or the who is this benefiting and the ways in which that shift can really start to impact somebody more positively. 
So I'm going to paraphrase what you asked me. Sure. Yeah, we love (laughs) that. um, One you're asking me is in my experience and in my work, what have I seen in terms of shifting? What have I seen in terms of who is benefiting, right? So in my experience and in my work so far, what I've noticed is that the people that have shifted their mindset from shame have really utilized a gratitude and abundance mindset because it allows more ease, more grace towards ourselves and the need to be not so perfect. Mm -hmm. And when we allow ourselves to have more room for mistakes, then we're learning, we're having Mm -hmm. feedback from our lessons to move into another thing. It's they're not things that hold us back, right? Mm -hmm. We're shedding and we're letting go and we're moving forward. And we're not attaching ourselves to the outcome of what people may be saying or doing, we're saying we did the best that we could. Mm -hmm. I put in the best effort and I'm proud of that effort. And now I just need to move forward and do what I can. And that takes a lot of like personal work to not like be attached to that. But, you know, it, it's always a journey um, in that in that process. Um, Another thing I've noticed is people really reach out for support and they have a really good network, uh, a community or social support, family, friends, whatever it may be, you know, that help them process and to be there. And they have a lot of empathy and the people that are in their lives also provide that safe environment for them to be able to listen to people aren't looking for you to be their problem solvers. They're right. just, listen. they just want you to listen, yeah. you know? And that's really hard because most of us want to be like, oh, there's a problem. How can I help you? Right. You know, which is appropriate too. But before we jump in, we really need to engage in active listening. So a lot of my clients that I work with, we work a lot on what our active listening skills are and how we need to engage with people in terms of speaking and what things we should be aware of. There's something in um, what Bernie Brown calls is stacking and mm-hmm. you don't often re- recognize that you're doing it, but let's say you tell me you had this really terrible experience and then instead of me just fully listening to you, my intention is to connect with you and tell you, oh, yeah, this is a terrible experience. But what I end up doing is saying, oh, I've had an experience right. as well. Let me tell you about mine. And now the conversation has shifted from you to me. Mm-hmm. And my problem seems more worse than your problem. Right. Right. We're not like it's not a scale of whose problem is worse or not. Right. We're not comparing. And so. In terms of another resilient thing of dealing with shame is not comparing ourselves. It's also putting in daily things that create joy in your life. So it could be like you taking time out to listen to your favorite podcast, um, music, putting a record on, dancing. I don't care. Like I tell my clients, like it can be five minutes to an hour. I don't care what you do, what brings you joy. And some people have no idea. So then I'm like, okay, 
How about you? If it rains, um, jump in the puddle. If you have a house, run through a sprinkler with your kids or by yourself. Um, go in the pool. Read a book that you normally would never read, right? Yeah. Watch a movie that you wouldn't normally watch. Um, watch a comedy. Um, go to a live comedy show, right? Like mm -hmm. all, like I want you to engage in the day-to-day -day life and be really present in the moment. That's that's how we activate the joy because we're so busy as a culture and as individuals on our to-do list that we mm -hmm. forget to really take the time and be like, I have all these wonderful things around me. Why don't I take the moment to do something? Yeah. Right? And it's, it's really about that. It, maybe it's something you can't do anything because you don't have the money, but you have food in the house, right? And maybe it's not all the food that you need, but I'm sure you can create a favorite dish out of what you have, right? Really enjoying and taking the time to be with food again, really taking the joy to like belly laugh. When's the last time you belly laughed, right? Like, we laugh, but like, have you had the stomach ache and belly right, laugh? Right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. So it's like, how do we create those things? Because the world right now is on fire. And literally. Like, yeah, literally, right? So how do we go about creating that joy on purpose? I feel like what I'm hearing is this connection between curiosity and, and unpacking these um larger topics, whether it be shame mm -hmm. or in de like delving into joy or whatever. But like I'm hearing yeah. that an angle through which one can potentially start to navigate is just simply the curiosity around it, right? Even going back to your lists of questions in the beginning of mm -hmm. like, what is this? How is this affecting yeah. me? Who is this affecting? Who is this benefiting? Like all of those things. Yeah. It's an angle of curiosity that doesn't have the judgment around trying to solve it immediately. Oh my gosh, absolutely. If we can walk in awe like five-year-olds, yeah. you know, it would do us so much good. Yeah. I think so about that too. I had an acting class when I was in Italy. When I studied abroad in Italy in my junior year of college, we did this exercise. And I've done this as a teacher on my own right in these master classes yeah. who just need time, where you literally it's an aging exercise where you start from birth and then every single age through death. And it's, if you do it really like the full experience, it takes hours and you are okay. exhausted by the end of it. But the whole yeah. purpose of it is to really feel physically in your body, emotionally mm -hmm. in your body, mentally in your body, what it feels like to either be, revisit ages that you've passed yeah. and or the ones that are coming in the future and how it impacts you. And the part that is so fascinating is the curiosity in the baby stage mm -hmm. of, of everything wants to be touched and seen and there's awe and and everything is so exciting because it's new and there's yeah. nothing, there's no jadedness. You haven't been taught mm -hmm. otherwise. It's like, oh, I want yeah. to touch this wall because it looks really fun. And mm -hmm. oh, look at this shiny thing. Let me run around trying to chase it. It just is that. Yeah. And we forget that that's something that, that's how every single human being on this entire planet started to live. Yeah. <laughs> As a baseline. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's like, can you remember a time that lit you up the most, you know, and in sense of like all your sensories, mm. right? Like, 
when like when we move when we go on vacation or we move to a new place we're like oh my god there's all these cool things and we get really excited and we get really curious and we're not judging right. and then right. as we settle in like things just sort of sink in and we like become adults yeah. in quotations right and we're like we don't have time for this i gotta work i've gotta pay my bills i've gotta do this and it just becomes this monotonous thing and then you have like voices in your head like you may like you may have your parents voice or somebody significant that made an impact negatively or good right that says like hey you need to do this and you're listening to those voices instead of your own voice you're not trusting your own self in the process yeah. because you're living by the expectations of what other people have told you or what your parents have told you yeah Right. Let's pause the benefiting question for a minute because I'm curious yeah. to where this this continues to go. When you work with individuals to start mm -hmm. to cultivate that inner listening of one's impulse and the tuning out of other people and their advice and their opinions, what are some of the tools and tricks that you have found helpful with really tuning into your body and trusting that impulse? Absolutely. Um, so one of the things is... Um, I'm going to paraphrase him because I can't remember the exact mm -hmm. sentence. Before you make a decision or you act, there's this gap stimulus. So you have a little bit of a pause mm -hmm. before you do something. And I really ask my clients to become really mindful of that pause. So it's like before you act, take that breather mm -hmm. and then ask yourself like, is this how, what do I want out of this relationship in terms of this situation? Do I want to be loved? Do I want to be right? Is this a battle that I need to actually fight? Because is it going to be worth it in the next week, in the next month, or three years from now, whatever? And can I say this in a way that's still going to be self respecting? and still validating to the other person. Mm -hmm. Then the other thing we I ask my clients to do is you still need to speak up about how you feel, regardless of how the other person is going to respond or react towards you, as long as you are mindful, you are tactful, you're not yelling, screaming, or calling anybody anything. Mm -hmm. And if you need to pause a conversation, please tell the other person and say, hey, I need five minutes. I need to go get myself together. I need to get a glass of water. I'll come back and then come back to the conversation. Mm -hmm. So the first step is always paying attention to how your body is reacting, right? And one of the ways that you can do that is through a body scan. So one of the things you can do a regular body scan, which is like you take a deep breath in and you kind of check in with your body, right? One of the things that I was taught, and when I was taught, I was like, this sounds like woo-woo, but now it's like, I love it. Um, so I want you to just kind of close your eyes and take a deep breath. And as you're scanning your body, notice where your emotion is residing, mm -hmm. right? So if it's residing in your heart, that's question one, where is it residing? Two, if it could speak, what would it say? Not what you would say, what would the emotion say, right? Mm -hmm. And then what does the emotion need in order for it to be taken care of? And that's the third thing you need to ask it, right? So 
an example of that might be, I had a gentleman one time where I said, okay, scan your body, what's going on? And he goes, I'm feeling afraid. And I said, okay, like afraid and lonely was his answer. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, um, visualize it. What is it? And he said, it's a brick wall that surrounds me. And said, okay, what do you need? What does it need in order for it to be taken care of? He said, I need a hug. And I was like, okay, well, who can you get a hug from? Let's chip this wall. Right. And he goes, well, I'm a guy. And so we went through that whole thing. And I Mm -hmm. said, okay, like you have your mom. He's like, yeah. It's like, you can always get a hug from your mom. He's like, yeah. So he was like, I need a hug. And that's what we did. Right. So he was able to go and like get that hug and do those things. So like what I often say is sometimes our brain is like a bird's nest. Mm-hmm. It's a really jumble and it's really crazy up there. And we don't need to focus on that. We really need to focus on the body and the somatic experience. When we can calm and regulate our nervous system, then we can sort of go into our brain and untangle that bird's nest a little bit much more with clarity and more focus, right? Yeah. We're not using an emotional brain. We're using our emotional where you uh, in DBT, it's called a wise mind. So it's where you use the rational brain and you use your emotional brain, you combine the two and you walk that middle path. Can you define DBT for those listening who don't know? Oh, sure. So DBT is dialectical behavioral therapy. It has four modules. It has um, interpersonal effectiveness skills, which is really about relationship building and boundaries and things like that. It has, um, and also communication. And then it has mindfulness, emotional regulation, and distress tolerance. And these are the ways, this is a a style of therapy, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I usually combine DBT with CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. So we really talk about your thought process, where they're rooted from, how to change them, create the behavioral changes, and then apply the DBT skills with a trauma-informed approach. Got it. Yeah. The idea of having our feelings speak something, like expressing something from that process that you broke down for us so beautifully. Yeah. Is it that you give them their own voice and identity Mm -hmm. or is it more that you just want to make sure you acknowledge that they are actually very real and existing inside you and how are they palpably felt in your body? I think it's a combination of both. Whatever you're feeling is valid. If anyone tells you otherwise, please tell them to politely go off the other door. Okay. (laughs) That's a very kind way of saying, get out of my house. Yeah. (laughs) Just just get out. (laughs) We don't need you here. But the other thing is that people only know maybe a couple of emotions. Mm -hmm. In Bernie Brown's like latest book, I think it's called like the Atlas Atlas of the Heart. Heart, Mm -hmm. Amazing book. Yeah, so good. Um, she talks about, I think, like 86 or 96 emotions or something, yeah. which I was like, what? Most people only know five. So the more we can learn to identify what emotion we are experiencing, the quicker our brain says, oh, that's what it is. Let me calm down. And now we can grab the tool that we need. Mm-hmm. Right. So having that emotional language and that capability to say, I am feeling angry, but what's underneath the anger? Mm -hmm. Someone's pushing my buttons. Is that a boundary? Am I feeling frustrated, disappointed, rejected, abandoned? What's going on? And Mm -hmm. based off of those, we can then make the appropriate 
hopefully judgment call on how to behave and interact with that person. Mm-hmm. Right? And so being able to recognize the emotion and give ourselves the language to say, oh, it's not that I don't know what I'm feeling. I do know what I'm feeling. And now I'm more, I have control. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling helpless. Yeah. Right. And then once we know that, then we can say, okay, before we do anything, we always have to acknowledge what we're feeling, you right. know? And I think sometimes people mess up the concept of what validation is. Validation literally means that you agree with what the person is saying. Like you understand their point of view, right? Let me correct. Yeah. So it's you understanding what the person is saying. It doesn't mean that you have to like agree with everything that they're saying. It just means like, oh, I see what you're going through. That must be really hard. I don't have to agree with it, but I can understand what you're going through, right? What it's about hard. when it's reversed? Like if somebody is seeking validation from somebody else. Okay. So then the question becomes, why are you seeking that validation? Mm-hmm. So like I'll, in my own practice, like I'll have my clients of, of either coaching or therapy, they'll look for approval. And I'm like, well, why do you need my approval? Right. Why can't you say, like, I did a good job or was this the right thing? Did it feel right to you? Mm-hmm. How did it feel in your body when you made that decision? What kind of thought process were you going through, right? And so it's like, why do we need that validation? What, why does the internal validation not matter first, mm-hmm. right? And if you've never been provided internal validation and you've never been taught to, you're going to seek the external validation because that's how you get motivated. That's how you feel praise. That's where your self-esteem comes. It's based off of something. You're not a tree. You're a weed that's just kind of like bouncing in the wind, right? Because you're just getting all these and it's all situational and emotional based. With internal validation, it doesn't matter what the environment is. You're constantly going to validate yourself. You're going to say, my experience is true. What I'm feeling is true. And based off of these, I can now do X, Y, and Z. I love how this is all spiraling back in a beautiful way to like how we first started this because for yeah. me, I'm now connecting all the dots of, you know, obviously none of this is linear and it, it can vary per person and experience. Again, all of these things are, yeah. you know, we, we're putting the caveat in the umbrella that every yeah. single person is a unique individual and are therefore experiencing all these things very differently. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's if we go back to like when, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but at least what I'm hearing and as I'm sitting here listening to words, which hold meaning and therefore associations, but it's like we're born and we are babies with full of awe. And then we are Mm -hmm. taught to see the world in a certain way. And it's possible that from say baby land, we Mm -hmm. are either taught to not tune into our own self-worth and or own validation and therefore seek it externally and then build up that skill set over time to grownups when that's how we continue operating or mm-hmm. perhaps we did have it and we've been told that that isn't valid and then mm-hmm. we've listened to that and we kept mm-hmm. bottling the thing. I mean, no matter what it is, but either way, mm-hmm. whether it's an external seeking or whether it's somebody dimming the internal trying, mm-hmm. there that is the thing that then propels us back into what we had initially talked about of shame 
yeah. that then becomes a spiral to then get back into of we need to dismantle yeah. <laughs> the, the, the other types of validations to go back into ourselves and say, I am the positive word rather than mm-hmm. I am the negative yeah. word. Is this? No. Is this yeah, correct? no, that's absolutely yeah. correct. Um, it's like, yeah, it's perfect. Um, the thing that I do <laughs> want to say is like, it's totally okay to have external validation, right? right? Like, it's nice when our friends compliment us, right? It's nice if our boss acknowledges what we're doing, that's necessary, but it shouldn't be the thing that motivates and propels us forward. Mm -hmm. right like if we can give ourselves the kudos and say oh my god I did an amazing job I did the best that I could however I am worthy of x y and z whatever it is that's the important thing because what you're saying when you say I am is that you're planting a seed of worthiness within you Mm -hmm. you're saying I'm deserving of x y and z and when we can't say that to ourselves we're often we're not able to look at ourselves in the mirror right? We're not able to speak those um, self-loving words that caress us, right? We're like, oh my God, I hate the way that I look. I hate this. I hate that. And it's because someone has said, this is what a woman should look like. This is what art should look like. This is what fitness and beauty looks like. And then you have all these companies that say, hey, that promote their brand and say, um, in terms of, and people buy into that, right? Like if I buy this product, if I buy this machine, I, you know, whatever it is, I will become this thing. Right. Instead of saying, okay, these are tools, but the internal work needs to be done. Right. And these are tools that I can choose exactly. to use rather than the things I need to use mm-hmm. to then build up whatever within me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, with your clients and um, just generally, do you show them the list of, say, Brene Brown's like 90 plus different types of emotions so that people have an expanded view of words? How do people expand Um, their knowledge? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I often recommend them to watch the HBO uh, series or I tell them to get the book. Uh, We really talk about the emotions. And if someone doesn't have that time, Pinterest is there and you can get an emotional reel off of that list um, and see like, oh, these are all the different emotions. And what do each emotion mean? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I feel like each person probably also has a different association with the different emotions. Mm-hmm. Have you found that that matters? If somebody, obviously you can't invalidate somebody's feeling, but let's yeah. say somebody th- really does believe that they're feeling, say, frustrated. But if mm-hmm. we really were to boil it down, they actually are feeling abandoned. Mm-hmm. Both are valid. But yes. does it really matter if they if if they don't have the word for abandoned yet? Well, my job is to guide them, right? Um, And the idea is that when you're in therapy, you hopefully stay flexible and open, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to be able to give you more tools to be able to acknowledge. So if you feel frustrated, that's probably what you feel at the the surface level. That's valid, right? And now I want you to dig deep and say, well, what is it behind the frustration that's Mm -hmm. causing me to feel this way, right? What's the secondary, primary, third emotion that I'm feeling, right? Right. 
oftentimes we, you know, the best example is the iceberg, right? And everybody sees the iceberg and they see all the anger behaviors, but they don't know what's going on underneath that iceberg, right? So it's just like the layers of emotions. It's like, what is really going on? What is triggering you? What story have you cognoctid? Um, What perception um, are you looking at this from, right? Are you looking at it from an emotional lens? Are you looking at it through a trauma lens? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at it from like a lens that like, woe is me? Like mm-hmm. what, what lens are we looking at the situation from? And are we feeling resistance in our body when we discuss these things, right? Yeah. If there's a blockage of energy, where is it stemming from? And where is it located, yeah. right? And how can we work on, unblocking that energy bit by bit so that you can get your voice back. Yeah. These are so helpful, these tools for humans generally. I want to pivot this to artists in terms of, say, creative process rather than just their own internal emotional life, which is beautiful and complicated and all of those things. Yeah. As artists who, and this is again a massive generalization, so I'm acknowledging that, as artists who seek to bring newness and beautiful things into the world that haven't been there before, yeah, you know, it's not only yourself that's bringing the thing, but it's also then a baby of creation that you've, whatever, whether it's writing, filming, music, whatever Mm -hmm. your medium is. Yeah. And I feel like there's this added layer then of an extension of yourself mm-hmm. because it is part of you. It's come from you. Yeah. But now it's this living, breathing, beautiful thing that is here that is now to be taken care of. Yeah. And, and you feel connected to it. For artists, would you recommend either A, the separation or encourage the two beings in their own right so that they can exist and not deplete each other. Is that too conceptual? No, it's not. Um, I guess the one question I have is what are the two beings you're referring to? I guess like whatever the creation is and yourself to protect your heart as well as the thing that has your heart but isn't you. Vulnerability, Mm. right? Lean into it. Because it will give you both the joy and the love and warmth, but it will also feel like a rejection. Mm. Because both all those emotions will come in when we are vulnerable, right? And if you have a truth that you want to share with the world through your creative means, you're feeding that, right? You want to show people a different angle, a different perspective, whatever that may be. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to do, right? And when shame comes up, it like those thoughts are like, oh my God, no one's going to understand. No one's going to care. Those are just thoughts. If any thought begins with what if it's an anxiety thought, it's a fear thought. That's Mm -hmm. where shame is going to come in and really ravage you. I want you to take a moment and just breathe and ground and center yourself and then do what you need to do. Our projects, our babies are always going to be a part of us, no matter what happens. Part of us learning is that when we put something out and Whatever the outcome is, whether it's, you know, people criticizing it or not criticizing it, the idea is to be wrapped up 
with a supportive system, an abundance mindset, a consistent mindset that says, I am loved. Mm. I put something out there that I loved, and that was my truth. Mm-hmm. Whatever other people say is not a reflection of me as an individual or the value that I put out into the world. I want that on repeat over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm gonna like like just rewind every ten seconds, just over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean that is it, again. It's easier said than done, right? Yeah, when, always, when, always. When yeah. you create the thing and your baby is out in the world, and all of a yeah. sudden people are consuming it in whatever possible way. Yeah. And there's the feedback loop that isn't just from yourself to the thing. Yes, you've expanded yourself to some sort of larger feedback loop that can then um, rattle perhaps your tree trunk. Absolutely. And one of the things um, that I often use is this person hasn't gone down the same route as me. Mm -hmm. They haven't been in the same process as me. They're not on the same journey. So whatever they have to say to me doesn't actually matter. Right. Right. Their opinion does not count because it's just their opinion. Right. Right. Like it's going to hurt and it's going to suck. Like when we soak it in at the first time, I'm not, I'm not saying that the process is easy, but we then have to change that pendulum from like oh my god all these people are criticizing me it wasn't as what i thought it would be well that doesn't matter what did you think it was going to be what is your opinion and your value of what you put out right and going back to the bigger why of why of what you did right what was the reason you put this out there not everybody is going to like your work and that's the important part right because if everybody liked you are you really making a change yes yes <laughs> i literally had this exact conversation with a friend today you know she's <laughs> creating a she just created this short film and yeah. you know she really wanted to she was like well it feels really quiet and it feels really subtle and i don't know if people are going to like it and i was like you just told me about this person who was single-handedly funding it. You told me about this director who couldn't wait to be a part of it, an actor who yeah. wanted to be a part of it more than anything, even though their, their, their credits are insane. Like they don't yeah. need to be doing this. You've already yeah. expressed that there are people who are involved in this that love it already. You're finding mm-hmm. your people. Those are yeah. the people that are going to respond to mm-hmm. your piece of art, and they're going to be the ones who love it. And if yeah. you didn't have other people who didn't like it, then you are not creating well, <laughs> in my mm-hmm. opinion. Because the whole point, yeah, the whole point is that it's a subjective medium. Like if Absolutely. every single person yeah. liked every single piece of art, then why would you ever go to a museum? <laughs> yeah. Every person standing in front of a different art piece being like, that one's terrible. Well, I love that I mean, one. Well, yeah. here's a bench in front of this one and I don't want to sit at it. Yeah. But this person or, does. Yeah. <laughs> or the one is, I could do that myself. Yeah. Like the white painting. <laughs> like, like really? Good on you. But I, yeah. but just because you were first, fine, fine. Yeah. You can take that yeah. torch. I could make yeah. it now, I think. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think as artists and as creative beings, we constantly put ourselves in uncomfortable positions. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, please remember you are growing every mm-hmm. time you do that, right? As long as, of course, those situations are really safe, you know? Right. But, like, as long as, like, you're challenging the norm, right? You're challenging the narrative or who's supposed to say what, right? And you're challenging yourself. Like, creative arts is, as you said, a very subjective experience and journey. Mm-hmm. And so it is about you unveiling 
you in all the different projects and babies you have out there. Because you're going to have a different piece that's going to represent you at that time period in that particular moment, right? And you can go back and look at it and say, oh, I used to think that way. Now I don't. And that's okay. Two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious now about your creative endeavor with your, well, first of all, your poetry, but Mm -hmm. now this book. Yeah. For you, when you get into creative processes... What inspires you and what draws you to the type of work that you are currently pursuing in that way? Um, well, people really inspire me. Mm-hmm. Words really inspire me. So my um, one of the books that I've been working on is I asked people and I said, give me five words that describe mental health to you. Mm-hmm. Right. I wrote a poem based off of the words right and so i and then i went back and i read them to the individual and i said i hope i captured the meaning of the word that you projected to me or told me and you know we were able when we had really fruitful conversations sometimes it's just watching something um sometimes it's listening to a piece of music and there's dry spells right so we have to be consistent in what we do and just honestly putting on like a good podcast or a good book or music really helps Mm -hmm. and just i have this thing where i listen to the same song maybe 24 hours, like the same song will just go on repeat. And it then just becomes like a background noise for me where I just go in and I laser focus on what it is I need to do. And then I just jump out of it. I'm like, Oh, here are the words. I'm dancing once more to the words. And then I'm like, Oh, let me jump back in, you know, take Mm -hmm. a breather. And so it really helps for me to just have like a one song on repeat. And, um, so that helps, um, There's something I really love doing is putting on cello music. There's a band that I really like. It's called the Two Cellos. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've heard them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And listening to them and then doing body movement dancing to the sounds that they are, um, you know, from the, the sounds that are coming from their instruments and literally moving my body in alignment, moving my arms. And I am not a dancer. I'm nothing. And that's well, you okay. are. If you have a body, you can move. But yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's OK. You don't have to be an artist to do what you need to do. You don't have to be trained. Right. And it's in the privacy of my home. And I love doing it. And it releases all the energy. And then I do some sage and Palo Santo to get rid of all that. And then I come back to my work and say, OK, now that I've had a cleansing moment, what do I really want to focus on? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd argue you did say I'm not an artist. You are. Um, (laughs) Just going to like just drop that in there. You are an artist. If if you're not, I think, you know, again, this is another conversation, but like because you're not making money, perhaps Mm -hmm. in an artistic field doesn't take away from the fact that you are an artist and or a human being who is creative and or a human being who is creating, right? Yeah. I just want to validate that for you. You don't need my no. validation. We Thank just talked about that for the past <laughs> yeah, yeah. 30 minutes. But I just had to say that because I was like, there's no way. Like, yeah, you clearly are. Oh, I, mean, I appreciate you know. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no unpacking on my end to do that. But yes. We yeah. all have to unpack. Yeah. Clearly, as we sit here, like there's just a lot to unpack all the time. That's why we're beginning to do that. But you are an artist. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I mean, it does matter. But it doesn't matter in the scheme of, I just need yeah. to say that words matter. 
Um, in terms of the poetry that you do, yeah. though, or the book that you are working on, yeah. can you tell us some of the topics that you focus more on? Oh, sure. So the book is called The Sun Still Rises, and it's really about a journey of going through self-hate, um, loathing, you know, um, really being depressed into going into spirituality and love and compassion and just becoming it's going it's like a journey of someone saying I'm not enough to I am enough mm. right and it's not necessarily about me it's just all these characters that I have found in my life you know whether it's through social media music whatever and giving them a voice and saying like hey I don't care how much you've shoved me down and you've thought that you would keep me that way under your thumb, I'm still going to rise. I'm going to do it on my path and in my journey, and I'm going to self-validate, and I'm going to have that self-love. And I believe that the universe and God is going to be there to protect me and guide me. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Is your poetry about the same thing or are you using your poetry in this book? Yeah. So that's really the, that's the theme of the book. It. It's going okay. from like inner child wounds to like becoming this adult that you Got fall it. in love with. Yeah. Got it. How yeah. incredible. Is there a guesstimate for release? <laughs> well, editing is pretty much done. Um, I have a design layout specialist. We're mm -hmm. working on the cover and all of that. But I have someone that want, is writing my forward okay. that I'm not allowed to technically right now say anything. Okay. And so they're the major holdup at the moment. Got it. They've agreed to it. They've written it. But we have to keep, like, they keep having a new team and we have to keep going through this process. Got it. Over again. Got it. But once they sign it, I can then say who it is. <laughs> Wait, that's so exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm so grateful that you had this conversation with me. I know this isn't an easy one to have. And mm -hmm. I know certainly in your life as you are navigating this with clients on the regular to have yeah. it yet again is, yeah. you know, emotionally uh, taxing in many ways. And so I'm so grateful that you have given of yourself in this way for this community to talk so openly about it. I know for a fact, just even listening here, and I will have to re-listen for myself, there are some mm -hmm. little ways of reshifting just even the language around these topics that have impacted me in this moment. So thank yeah. you from of me course. in this moment. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that's like on your heart before we wrap up that you would like to share? I just want to let everybody know that opportunities are like little pearls of wisdom okay so when we gain opportunities when we allow abundance and ease and it does not have to be hard so self-love is a daily practice and when we look life through that lens everything falls in alignment and on that note thank you quite welcome thank you 
I hope that you can give yourself a pat on the back for listening to this type of conversation. I know it isn't an easy one, but it is one that is super important and hopefully will be helpful for you as you continue navigating your human life, but more specifically, your artist life. Now, if you like this episode, please like, follow, rate, and most importantly, review us. This allows us to continue having conversations to meet other artists in this way. If you did not like this episode, just let it all slide. If you have yet to do so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com. And if you're seeking out some merch, we got you. It's down in our show notes. As always, I am so, so grateful that you keep on coming back. And we will be back again next week. Until then.